It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, glad you could join us. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion, part of Jeff Fiegel's. And we'll be with you for the next hour. And you can dial us up at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. And you'll be able to find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Hello, Mr. Fiegels. Good to have you back on the show this week. It is great. Middle of the week, getting forward to leaving everything behind and moving forward is what we do here. A big game coming up on Sunday, as they all are. But Indeed. nice to be with you, Paul. Yes, sir. So now today, Joe Judge took his players through a walkthrough practice. He said they will ramp things up tomorrow and have a full speed at practice, which will then give him a better indication about the guys who are banged up. And that will, uh, you know, give him more information as to who may be able to go on Sunday and who may not be able to go on Sunday. Uh, but we do know that wide receiver John Ross was activated for practice off of injured reserve today. So you have to believe that that puts him on a track to potentially play mm. on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Sure. Well, listen, we we all talked about John Ross in the offseason and bringing him in here and we all thought he was probably going to make the team, but he's on the team now. So uh, got a little speed out there, and just hopefully he can hold up. But, hey, listen, you know, Paul, they need him. They need him. Uh, that that wide receiver room is a little thin right now. So good timing to be able to activate him on the IR to come in and play this weekend. Most it likely. will be interesting for me if Ross does, in fact, make it. And, again, I think the arrow's pointing in that direction. Yeah. Who do you think is more likely to play slot, he or Kadarius Tony? Because it would seem that both of those players are apt to get a lot of snaps. Hmm. I, I think Kadarius Tony would probably take that position. I think that's more natural for him. Um, certainly, I, I think that, you know, we talk about Saquon Barkley, Paul, about how he's kind of been, you know, indoctrinated into the system a little bit more every week, every week, every week. Well, we look at Kadarius Tony last week. He was really thrown into, I'm sure, more reps than he was expected to play because of the injuries that happened in the game. I think that helped him. So now look at forward to this game. And, you know, maybe I'm hoping that I think the game plan will include a little bit more of Kadarius Tony, and not so much featuring him, but at least trying to get the ball to him and a little bit more opportunities that he has in the past. So I think from that slot position, and by the way, you know that everybody can play those positions, the way they line up in the NFL nowadays, unlike the old days, is that they're all around everywhere. The fact they line up in the backfield now. So, um, But I think if you had to put it on paper, maybe he'll be the slot guy. I also wonder how many snaps the Giants might give to Colin Johnson. Well, after last week, why not? Caught five passes against Atlanta on six targets. This is a guy at 6'6", 225 pounds, a couple of years removed out of Texas, where I always thought he'd be a great third-day dark horse as a skyscraper. That's what he is, uh, albeit a possession receiver. But he certainly had some production in the Falcons game. And, you know, putting him on and Galladay on the same field at the same time would give you two very large targets. <laughs> yeah, you like that. I know you do. I- I'll tell you what I like. I like the fact that here's a guy that comes in, hasn't been here a while, um, and um, 
you you expect a guy to come off the bench like he did to just kind of you know a little spot here a little, he was he did he really did well and I, and that that's a that's a a true testament to his preparation and his ability and I I love it and I I just like when I see guys that are given opportunities because you know in the National Football League a lot of times you don't get the opportunities that you want and when you do and you take advantage of them like he did, I, I feel like going into the following week, the coaches are going to say, hey, you know, this wasn't a preseason game. This wasn't a, a combined practice in preseason. And this was a real NFL game, week three NFL game you just played in. You showed us that you could do some things on a short notice. We like that. So I think you'll see a lot of him this week. I mean, they basically have no choice, Paul. No, I don't think they have much of a choice. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, they could bring David Sills up off the practice squad as well. I mean, that is another option if they wanted to do it. Well, I, again, remember what we always talk about on special teams and how those fourth and or fifth receivers and, you know, and this isn't just for the Giants. You talk about a lot of the other teams in the National Football League where even over there on the other side, the Jets, there's guys that are sitting on the bench because he's a fifth receiver. He doesn't play special teams. Sure. So um, I think that that has a, 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 a distinct uh, possibility that something like that could happen. And, you know, David still had his chance to do a lot in training camp, and we saw him do what he did, and he, he played a lot of special teams. So we'll see what happens. Where do you think C.J. Board fits into the receiver equation? We know he plays all the special teams, well, but do you expect him to get maybe as many or more receiving reps as those other guys we just talked about? I do, and I think that what's going to happen is I think you'll see C.J. Board move into, you know, the top three or four receivers, and then I, I think you hit the nail on the head with possibility of Sills coming up. Because I feel like you gotta take take the place of somebody that's gonna move up, and that would be C.J. Board playing more more reps on offense, taking him away a little bit on defense on special teams. Even though I know he's one of your core special teams guys, he's really good. And and maybe we'll see because Kadarius Tony is now moving up a little bit in the receiver core. Maybe he takes some kickoff returns, and then C.J. Board um, doesn't do that, or they switch him back and forth. Because I really would like to. And by the way. C.J. Board has done an outstanding job returning kicks, okay? Um, I think that going into the preseason, we know that Joe Judge likes him, and um, you and I have talked about that before, Paul, and so he trusts him, and that's a big thing. So I, he trusts him with the football. Do they have enough trust in Kadarius Tony to get him back there on kickoff return now? And uh, why not? When you're 0-3, let's just pull out everything, right? I mean, heck, why not? Well, you know, whenever they've asked uh, Thomas McGahey, the special teams coach mm -hmm. coordinator, about Kadarius Tony, he always says, well, you know, he's still a young player, missed a lot. He's got to yep. earn his reps. Yep. He's coming along. He'll get there eventually. But, you know, I, I don't see any rush or sense of urgency to get him out there, primarily because I think Board is doing a good job. Well, I, I understand that. But remember this, too. Um, and. And this is you have an argument all the time about this. It's like, oh well, if you put him on special teams, there's always a propensity for him to get hurt, right? Well, if if CJ Board is one of your now your core receiver guys, you got to keep that in mind, mm -hmm. right? So, and I think that you want to try to get the ball into Kadarius Tony's hands some way, and maybe this is the start. I mean, he was in for forty something plays last week and got the ball. I don't know what it was, two or three times. Right. So I think that that's kind of what my point at the beginning of this conversation was that I think that. They're now forced to be able to say to Kadarius Tony, "Listen, we got to rely on you a little bit quicker than we thought now. So, because of the injuries, you got to be a big boy now. We, we're going to have to trust you. We're going to put you in some more plays, and 
We're trusting that you're going to get in the playbook. You're going to study. You're going to get with some of these other wide receivers. You're going to get with uh, your wide receiver coach, uh, Tyke Tolbert, and you're going to get in the study this this game plan, and we're going to use you. And and listen, they didn't draft him in the first round for nothing. No, and, they didn't. And I and we know the playmaking ability that he has is what something is missing with this team right now. And so all all things go forward from here. Pull out all the stops. You're zero three. You got to go win a game on the road against a good. You know, I don't care if they're, if they're they're you know the Saints are not what they used to be, but they're still coached by Sean Payton. And and by the way, you're going into the Superdome where you know it's not the Superdome anymore, is it? It's it is. Mercedes Benz. No, whatever, they Superdome. give it other brand names, but it's okay. still the Superdome. But my point is, is that historically the Giants never play good there, and you're going on the road to a, a team that's now going to be. Back in their own building after being on the road and living out of a suitcase, it's going to be a tough one. So you got to do everything you can to go win this football game. All right, the Giants made one other roster move this week. Uh, they did uh, bring in Wes Martin. They signed him, an offensive lineman, third-year pro out of Indiana, 6'3", 315 pounds, a guard who has, I believe, started 10 games uh, at the guard spot uh, in the NFL, coming off the Washington practice squad. We will see how he fits into the equation during the course of the week. Mm-hmm. But another experienced offensive lineman as the Giants continue to try to build depth uh, at that spot. Uh, we'll go to your calls in just a second at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Final question for you, Jeff, before mm-hmm. we go to the phone calls. Can I, can I just one thing sure. about Martin? So, you know, you got you got these guys. So this just goes to show you a little bit in depth of where this scouting department works and how these organizations have tabs on all these players around, just like the Giants players on their own squad here. There's teams that know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those that don't know how this works, if you go and grab a player off of somebody's practice squad, they've got to come to the 53-man roster. Right. So that's an indicator to me that there could be something where they've got to they – for depth, there's some injuries on that offensive line, and they got to have a, an experienced guy. He started 10 games, and so determining how quickly he could pick up the system, um, he could be in there in a few weeks. Who knows? I mean, that's or sooner, that's, or sooner. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. But it tells me that obviously they got to put him on the 53, Paul, and that he's going to be there. And whether he's active or inactive for the game, he's making the trip to sit to uh, New Orleans this weekend. All right, so now my question for you right before we get to the phones has to do with Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally got himself over 20 touches in the Falcons game, 22 to be exact. Yeah, uh, Had, uh, what, 93, 94 total yards from scrimmage. Not exactly what some of us had hoped. I know John and I predicted on the pregame show he would get over 100. I think I did too. Okay. Did yeah. you also go over on I that one? I think so, yep. So, uh, you know, it wasn't quite what we had wanted, but it was still – Probably the most productive performance he's had in the first three games. He's getting closer to being him, but still not there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? This week, does he get 25, 30 touches? Does he become even more of a featured part of the offense? Well, I, I think that to go back a little bit, so when we did talk about it in the pregame, I think the number was 110. I think it was our over-under fact fiction, whatever it was. But, you know, when the inactives came out last week is when that told us that he's got a chance, right? So because they inactivated Booker. Right. And so we're thinking, okay, now we got like – I know we – and remember, they, Eli Penny had a lot of carries in the preseason because of maybe this situation. And so – you know, they, they trust him that he can run the football five, six times, whatever it was. But so to answer your question, Paul, I got to say absolutely. I mean, 
um, unless they try to do something different with Booker and, and Barkley mixing things up. But he's your guy. He's your guy. I just, you know, I just wish that – and I know his running style is so different than other running backs in the league. Um, but I just – until he – I just wish he would hit the hole. He's so quick. Ah, just, you know, the dancing around. And I know that's the type of runner he is. But for God's sake, I, I think that he could just, you know, he could get an extra 20 or 25 yards going just straight downhill. And by the way, when you hit some of those holes as a running back, whether it's your Saquon Barkley or I don't care who you are, when those holes open up quickly, they close quickly. With his speed and his agility and his athleticism getting up on those linebackers, the propensity for big plays at the second level can happen. They don't always have to happen behind the line of scrimmage. And I think that's what bothers me so much about Saquon is that get through the hole, get up to the second level, and then let's see what happens. But by the way, by the time I got there, if nothing did happen, I got three or four yards. And so I know I'm not a running back. I know I never played the position. We've watched enough of it to see how some guys like uh, Zeke Elliott is a different runner. We know that. But he hits the hole and he runs downhill every single time. And once in a while, he'll make a big play. But I think... Saquon is going to get the lion's uh, – what's the what's the term? The lion's share? Of, what's that the, would be the term. That would be the term. Or the weekend. bulk of the work. The bulk of the work. <laughs> the, the bell cow, all those The cliches. bell cow. So sure. I think that's going to happen this week. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I will only say one thing about this, and then we'll go to the phone calls. Sure. Uh, in terms of the style of offense, I'm a big guy who likes to have the double tight ends. You know that. I, mm-hmm. I love to run double well, tight ends. Well, they had a sets. bunch of them last weekend. But you know what, Lance? Uh, Lance Jeff, what I'm thinking right now. Well, that's cold. Isn't it? Snug <laughs> <laughs> jumped all over that one. <laughs> What I'm thinking now. It's just going to show that John's actually listening to the show, which is good. It is. What I'm thinking now, because of Barkley needing to trust and to be familiar with the guys blocking in front of him, I'm going to, if it's me now, I'm scrapping some of the two tight end stuff, and I'm going to get Eli Penny more work at fullback. Mm -hmm. Because when you work Saquon Barkley out of the high behind Eli Penny, he can now work a running game with his fullback. Mm-hmm. And he trusts Eli Penny. He's been around Eli Penny for three years. He knows him. He knows what he wants. He knows how he blocks. Penny knows what he wants. You know, you have this unfamiliarity with the offensive linemen because Barkley hasn't worked behind them much. Yeah. And they keep having to shuffle them. Well, what's the one thing he does know? He knows how to run behind the back of Eli Penny. And what happened last week in the one play that they used Eli Penny. Touchdown. That's right. First and goal from the one. Eli's going to be the lead back out of the eye. He's going to go right to that A-gap. He's going to take on that hole. And Barkley knows if I just go right up his back, I know that it's going to work. And that's exactly what he did as he jumped right over Penny's back into the end zone for the score. That was Saquon attacking the line of scrimmage like he needs to. And if he's got any doubts in his linemen, he's not going to attack. So why not give him Eli Penny, the lead blocker who makes him confident and comfortable and will make him more assertive? Yeah, I think you got. I think you get some validity there. I think it's all a matter of the game plan and what they're going to try to do. One thing I do like about um, you know having a fullback is obviously you got an extra blocker in front of you, and Saquon is able to read that. Um, the other thing is, is that there's so many different plays that you can you can develop off of that type of I, sure I don't know if you it's can an eye formation or whatever you want to do. Um, you know, you're, I don't think they're going to run RPOs with the eye formation, but I feel like 
you know, there's just some – so a little bit of variety that you could put in there. You know pass plays you can work out of the eyes? Well, certainly. A lot of play-action stuff you can work out of there. In fact, um, you don't even have to throw it to Barkley. You could even throw it to Penny. Sure, sure. Or, or I'll tell you, just, you know, get the ball in some of these receivers' hands early, you know. Um, I, I just think that Kadarius Tony is a guy now that has been thrown into – an area of this offense that has to be utilized now. He's your first-round draft pick. I know he's always been a little bit behind the eight ball going into the season, but we're out, we're a month into the season now, and so I think that there, that's enough time for him to have learned what he needs to learn, and they can just add little pieces here and there. But I think it's time for this offense to not, you know, don't you're not going to mm-hmm. design the whole offense around Kadarius Tony. He's got to get him involved a little bit right. more, you know. All right, fans, don't miss out on the return of Giants football. The 2021 season is underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants ticket rep now and become a Giants season ticket holder by calling 888-NYG-1925. And don't forget, you could also have access to your own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a rep, again, at 888 888- NYG 1925, and we remind you that the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated, visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated, or talk to your health care provider. We go to the phones, and Taylor, for some reason, again, my document is blank, so we're just going to go to line one here. Uh, that would be Antonio. You are first up on the program. Hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you doing today? We're good, great. Thanks. How are you? Doing good. Doing good, doing good. Sorry for the background noise. I'm outside, so I'll make it quick. I uh, just wanted to say that um, the Giants defense, I just want to touch a little bit about the Atlanta game. Giants defense allowed only 17 points, so... Even though yes, they did drop an interception, that's still that's still a game that we should have won. Three of I don't them. think any blame should go on the defense. Um, even if they drop, uh, yeah, even if they drop three of them, it's still a game where I, I don't believe that our defense should be put a blame. Seventeen points should be a win in any game. If we if our defense only allows seventeen, we should win all those games. Uh, our offense scoring fourteen points is unexcusable, and uh, we just need to score more. Sure. And that's what I called about. It's just a scheme. Um, we ask, we're asking wide receivers, we're asking running backs to play above the X's and O's. But it's unfair because we don't ask that also for Daniel Jones to play above the X's and O's. We're okay with Daniel Jones just completing passes, but that's not enough. And in this scheme, we need just variety. Right now, you guys are talking about Saquon and his running. It's not there. Well, guess what? The only outside run Saquon gets are sweeps. He is not running no outside zones. Everything is inside zone, inside dive. And I just think that that's easy to game plan. Our offense right now is really easy to game plan against. There's no motion. There's no bunch formation. It's just line up and go. And this is the exact same thing that Jason Garrett had going on in uh, Dallas, except that Dallas has one of the best offensive lines in history. And obviously, we don't have that. So the, 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 this offense, this scheme, is not working. And I feel like you guys haven't talked about scheme enough and how also we ran screens against Atlanta. It was the exact same screen. And you could tell that it wasn't practiced too well. Or it was just like badly planned. 
because it's the same two schemes where you have Hernandez and I think a tackle come out. And it was just bad. It just looked bad. I was like, is that the only team right. they had in the play? Hey, Jodio, let, let me ask you a question. You said we didn't talk about yeah. schemes. I just spent a few minutes talking about adding a fullback to the mix and how I yeah. would like to use more fullback and I formation. And Isn't Antonio, that scheme? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I know where you're coming from. And here. Antonio, yesterday for the for about ten minutes in the open, me and Lance talked about different things they could do schematically offensively. Did you not listen to that? No, I I I, 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 I think that what you said was not it was more on the players, um, John, than it was on the scheme itself, to be honest. I said they had to run more routes and get bigger plays downfield to create more yak opportunities. How is that scheme and not players? Yeah, but yak opportunities exactly. That's not that's not a scheme thing. No that's no no yak opportunities sure is absolutely a scheme sure it thing. Is. Sure it is. That's you get a, yak opportunities by the, the type of routes you run. Yeah, but that to me, see, I understood that as, hey, players need to catch and actually need to make plays with the ball. All right, well, look, here's the bottom line, okay? They're going yeah. up against a very stout Saints defense this weekend, okay? Oh, Antonio's already gone. Jeff, I, I think, to me, that that's a bigger problem because they got to figure out, you know, so many different coaches and players will say to you, we'll take what the defense gives us. The Saints don't give you very much. Mm. Well, I just think, you know, it's it's important that the, the guys in the room believe in their scheme, and they just have to execute them, okay? It, listen, the, the players get a game plan on today, right? They get they get the, It's Wednesday. They get their game plan. Mm-hmm. They got to go study it. And there's not enough time in the week for people to be taking part of the game plan and throwing it out and putting it here and this and that. The coaches study these opponents, okay, way in advance. They put these game plans together on Mondays and Tuesdays, and they're they're basic. They're based on a lot of information now. You guys know this. It's analytics. It's 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 uh, formations. It's percentages. It's everything you can imagine. Bottom line here, and John said it earlier, you got These guys got to make plays, man. And I and and the guys when they get the ball in their hands. Get some separation off the line of scrimmage so that you, when you catch the ball, that you can make big plays, okay? The offensive line, you got to open some holes. How Saquon about just Barkley? hold on to the ball when it comes to you? That I'd be too. happy with that. And it's it's all about – so to, to Antonio, that's his scheme part of it is it does change weekly, but it can't change schematically completely because you don't have enough time to practice. For God's sake, the Giants are so hurt right now, they're not even practicing today. They're having a walkthrough. When you said that, Paul, I was like, what the heck? Wednesdays are never a walkthrough. Wednesdays are are usually full padded practices, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's there's problems there, and I think that it's not an excuse. I am not making any excuse for this zero and three team. I'm not going to do it. There's no excuse. But my solution is that these guys have to play better, and they have to execute sure. better, and Absolutely. they have to play smarter. They've got to play smarter and search. And, and I know that Lance likes to pound this home, and it, and it makes sense the more and more I think about it, is the volume of penalties. That's okay. Fine. You get 10, 15 penalties. You just can't have the ones that are just they're crucial ones. Those are the ones you got to, you know, you have to kind of look at and you go, know, like, what am I doing? It's a multifaceted problem when you're uh, 0-3. Exactly. There are some things, some things that are directly to simple plays, routine plays that are not being made. Some of the problem may be some of the play calling on, on either side of the ball. It is. And, and some, some of it is also the, the penalties, whether it or not is. they're warranted or they're just bad plays. It is. I mean, 
It's it's a little of everything. I mean, yep. literally, it's like a meatloaf, Jeff. That's yeah, what happens when you're 0-3. It's yeah. a meatloaf. Yep, you got all kinds of little all things right. here. And Taylor, I, I, the, the screen is working again. I just want to okay. let you know. So you're good. I appreciate it. The, the screen's working again. Go ahead, Jeff. You had one more thing before well, the next call? Well, real quickly. So the coaches look at the film. They, they grade the films. They look at the – okay, there's not much time for them to look back. Okay, but what they do do is they, they got to look at themselves too. And, okay, and, and I know that they do. And they've got it. They've got it. And they come on. They come on the air. They come on the press conferences. They talk about coaching better. That's just not coach speak. That that is the truth. They understand. Everybody they have to coach has better. to do better. And I feel like um, you know this team. We all know what happens when you win a game. It cures a lot of things, right? John and- Madden said winning was the best deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the God's honest truth right there. And just one win will will turn this thing around. And and not to saying that the Giants are gonna you know win 13 straight or whatever. It's just a matter of that you know the atmosphere and the confidence that happens when you win a football game, especially if they could go down to New Orleans and steal one there. And what I mean by steal one is it's not an easy place to play, guys. I know that Drew Brees is gone, and Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. He's very streaky. You just kind of hope that he goes non-streak on this Sunday, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a tough game. But the one thing, and I'll, I'll, we'll get to the calls right after this. One thing I wanted to say, because I haven't had a, talk to, a lot to talk about the game last week, is that this team is in every game, okay? So the 0-3 is not good. It, it, it stinks. In fact, it's, it's horrible. The, I guess the only light at the end of the tunnel for me is that these guys, that they have been in every game, okay? And that if they had not shot themselves in the foot, the last two weeks of penalties and things like that, this could easily be a two-and-one football team. So, um, and I think that that's, that's where fans have to look at it. But, you know, if you want to take a long, hard look, it's 0-3 no matter which way you slice it, and that stinks. That stinks. you got to get going. 201-939-4513. Line three, it's Tim from Charleston. You're next Hello, on Tim. the show. Hello. Hey, Paul and Jeff. How you guys doing? Good. Okay, how um, are you? I'm a well as as good as I can be, I guess. You know, all right. You're um, like us then. So, <laughs> so I had a couple of things, but the previous caller kind of got me a little bit perturbed on that. You know, that gratuitous Daniel Jones is playing well. I'm big. I've been a big supporter of Gettleman. I love Judge, and I and I believe in Daniel Jones. And he took that little shot about, oh, everyone has to play above the X's and O's, but Daniel Jones doesn't. And then he just goes away from it. Nothing to back it up. Nothing to say about it. Just that, and and that kind of that kind of ticked me off. So I'm just going to leave that, get that off my chest. Daniel Jones is really playing hope. well. Let's just make that very clear and get it out of the way. Yeah, thank you. And John's got to get that soundbite queued up for when people pull that nonsense. Um, that one from the from the uh, from the uh, Phil Sims uh, interview. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, um, so what I called about a couple of things is what I mean. I know we can be two and one. I know we can. But the one image, and I know it's not corroborated that John Mara was the one who knocked over the garbage cans and everything, but he feels the way us fans feel. Yeah, we could be two and one, but we're not. We're 0-3 because of the mistakes. And the one thing I just wonder is, at the end of this, I mean, right now, if we to go 7-10, and 10, which is not enough improvement from last year, we have to go 7-7 seven and seven the rest of the way. We got four brutal, tough games to win on the schedule at least. And um, so to go 7-7 seven and seven the rest of the way, we're 7-10, and ten, that's not good enough. And then, you know, if we go 8-6, and six, then we're, we're, we're what? We're 8-9. We're you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be a real 
they're really going to have to turn this around in a big way. But the question I'm, at, I'm thinking in my head, and I want to get your opinion on it, is at the end of the year, if the Giants are 7-10 and 10 or 8-9, and nine, and I know they're playing hard for judging all that, is John Mara going to be willing to trust Dave Gettleman with, with uh, um, you know, seven picks in the first four rounds? You know, is he going to be willing to trust him? I mean, this year, our first-round pick, we knew he was going to be slow growth. Second-round pick looks like a home run. Third-round pick's on, on injured. Fourth-round pick, as you said, Paul, is redshirted. Fifth round, I don't even know what, if we had a fifth-round pick. I mean, Rodarius looks like he, he's a comer, but, but it, and you can't talk about a draft in the same year. I know that. But, but at the same time, you know, if, if, if you put yourself in the owner's shoes, are you going to really be confident? So this should be a home run draft next year, um, regardless of how this year plays out. Do you think John Mara is going to have the confidence to let Dave Gettleman make those picks? Well, you know what? My answer to that is that I don't think we can answer that right now. I, I think we got a yeah. long ways to go in this season, young season. It's only three weeks into it. And I, I think that, you know, that, that answer will solve it. Will, it'll be answered later on, and it's something that the team's just going to have. They're going to answer that question. The team will. And, uh, you know, listen, he, he built this team. He brought his faith in the guys that he brought in here. Um, when you go down that roster and look at some of the draft picks and some of the free agents and some of the later picks that, that Dave Gellerman has brought in here, there's some good and there's some bad and there's some ugly. And I think that every team probably has that. Um, but I think that, you know, at the top of your draft is where you need your impact. And I look at uh, Aziz Ojolari, and, you know, there's a guy that, you know, uh, they wanted him badly, and they ended up getting him. Um, and, by the way, he's, he's doing well. So, um, and now I think this cadet with Kadarius Tony, he's got to start playing a little bit and he's going to do some things, but you know, the hardest thing about a general manager is trying to find and get those players in the late rounds to be some of your good, good players, you know? And so the answer to your question, in my opinion is, well, it's a wait and see, let's wait and see. We never can answer for John Mara. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. What do you think, Paul? It's gotta be a wait and see situation. How can you even right now? Look, we don't even know in two weeks who's going to be on the field against the Cowboys or who they're going to put on the field against the Giants. That's the way this league is now. You just don't you don't even know week to week who's playing. How, you think the Kansas City Chiefs are happy being one and two right now? No, I mean seriously. This look, no, no, look, let me tell you something. The the Chargers threw away a game to the Cowboys two weeks ago, right? They absolutely threw away that game. Handed it to them on a silver platter. The Cowboys did not look like anything like a good football team. And then what happens this week? They totally maimed the Philadelphia Eagles. How are we supposed to know or count on anything these days? This is the NFL, the quicksand of mediocrity, where September football is an extension of training camp in the preseason, and you have no clue what you're going to see week to week. Now we're starting. I agree with you 100 right? on that. Now part. we're getting to October. This is when you really need to see what your team is. Last year the Giants were 0 and 4. I told people all along that that was a 500 roster. They got past their 0 and 4, and I insisted they will be 6 and 6 the rest of the way. They were 6 and 6 the rest of the way. Exactly what I thought they would be. They were a 500 football team, but it took them a month to figure it out. The bad news is those games count. And when you take time to figure things out, you get penalized for it. That's just the way it is in this game. 
It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Giants are a 500 team the rest of the way. Of course, they can't be because there's a – well, actually, yeah, the 14 games left. They could very easily be 7-7 seven and seven the rest of the way. The bad news is – That's not good enough. 7-7 seven and seven gets you to 7-10, and 10, and that's the bad that's news. Not, that's the bad news. Yeah, that is bad news. If they were a 500 football team and it took them three weeks to figure it out, 7-10 and 10 is, is not – well, you know what? Wait a minute. It's the NFC East. Maybe that will get you in. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. All right. Thanks, guys. Be Take well. Care. Talk to you next week. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We go to Lee in Atlanta. He's online too. Hello. Hey, Jeff, Paul, how are you? We're doing well. Good. How are you? I'm I'm in I'm behind enemy lines. I had to listen to how, you know, the Falcons beat the Giants all uh all this week and leading them to the game. It was brutal. But well, I, I hope the I Falcons to... didn't get too many cuts opening up their Christmas presents. You know, paper yeah, cuts. Right, paper cuts right. come a lot when you're unra- unwrapping Daniel that Jones wrapping paper. Briefly, um, and then Evan Ingram, but more so Joe Judge. Daniel Jones. Uh, there should be no question that he has talent. Uh, the only question I had about him was maybe his control of the offense. He wasn't really showing it uh, the first game this year and all of last year, but the last two games he's been checking in and out of plays and moving guys around and. He seems more confident, and that's what you want a quarterback to be on your team. He looks more of a leader when he's out there um, dictating, and the guys, are they rally around him, the line, and I've got no more questions about Daniel Jones. I'm not going to hop on that. Um, I want to talk about Joe Judge and the team. I look at this team, and when they make the mistakes that they make with the drop passes and the red zone inefficiency, the, the, the penalties, that looks to me like it's a coaching thing, and not so much X's and O's. I think that Joe Judge, being articulate and very passionate, and we all we all see it in his in his post game interviews, he's he's got this team believing that every game is somehow a playoff game, or every time they play, they're going up against the the '07 Patriots, and he's got them believing that that they are not as good as they they are because they make these mistakes, these fundamental mistakes, and that can, I can only imagine that's because they are too focused on fundamentals and stuff they should already know as professionals, that they are not just playing like we're better than our opponent and we should win this football game. I'm, I just I can't understand why every time in the red zone we have to hold our breath and watch a penalty or a missed block or a drop pass or a missed assignment and we move backwards and it's consistent and if somebody drops a wide open ball in the end zone whether it be an interception or a touchdown something it's just to me it's like they're tight and they're playing nervous. Like, I can't make a mistake when you should just go out there and realize these are the Falcons. They don't have as much talent as we do. All right, Lee, let me, let, me, let me set this up on a tee for Jeff so that he can answer your question. But let me kind of free, reframe it a little bit. Jeff, you played in this league a long time. And even though you were a punter and were off to the side many times, and maybe playing <laughs> golf, a bad thing. and maybe playing golf on a number of occasions, which is a good thing. Okay, <laughs> but but I'm sure that you were on teams that practiced well and teams that did not practice well, 
and sometimes it translated to game day, and sometimes it didn't translate to game day. Do you have any rhyme or reason or any thread that you can connect to the kind of practices that you saw to the kind of play you see on Sunday? There, there's there's two there's two things here. So, you know, you've had great practices all weekend. You've heard players on their interviews after the game when they've lost games. We had a great practice. Where I thought we practiced well all week, and they lost the game, right? Then we've had the other senses where they've been, where we've had injuries all week. We've dealt with this all week. We didn't practice on Wednesday. We had a walkthrough, um, you know, so our backs were against the wall, and you come out and, and you, beat a, you beat a Saints team on the road by 20 points. There's no – it's just like you never know. But my, what my, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to get to is this, okay? It's all about execution. It's all about how you play the game. And by the way, yes, it is on the coaches to a point when it comes to discipline. I don't think that's the case with Joe Judge because I know for a fact, I know a lot of the coaches that I talk to, Paul, you do too, John, all of us, the well, how these practices are run on a consistent basis. It comes down to the players, guys. It's their discipline. It's their mental fortitude. It's their mental mistakes. It's how they are concentrating in games. Are they getting nervous? You know, the offensive line is just every week is different. That's tough, okay? The receivers, the quarterback, everything is like there's no consistency here right now with this roster. Everything's different. Now, the defense is a little bit. I, I would have a little scratch my head a little bit about the defense because for the most part without, you know, they're not going to be with Blake Martinez, but, you know, there hasn't been a lot of injuries on the defensive side, knock on wood. Um, they've kind of picked up, picked it up a little bit last week. They you know, they got they left the team under 100 yards rushing. I mean, that's that's something to write home about. But the, to answer the question, Paul, is sometimes you can't f- figure it out if you're practicing good or you're not practicing good. The bottom line is, are you studying well and are you mentally prepared to go into the game? And that does fall on the players more than the coaches, in my opinion. Can I ask you a follow-up question on that, Jeff? Yeah. Isn't yeah. the whole point of drilling fundamentals relentlessly in practice so that you don't have percent. to think about them on game day and it comes naturally to you? hundred percent, and that stinks. You're, you're you're totally correct, John. You're absolutely. But so where where is the disconnect? I guess what I'm trying to say it comes down to the player. Okay, the the whole thing. Just I imagine guess. it comes down to your. You got to be mentally tough. You have to concentrate and focus on what you're doing. The guys that stay in this league the longest are the guys that are most mentally tough and prepare. I'm not saying that these guys don't prepare, but there's a carryover that you have to have from the classroom, and I say this all the time, classroom to practice field, practice field to the game field, okay, that's the transition. If there's something missing in between there, then you're going to jump off sides, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I, I'm not getting on players for playing. There's penalties sometimes you just can't get away, you know, just it's just a penalty. It's, and some of them are, are smart penalties in the sense that it could have been a touchdown, and they just grab them, pass interference, they get the ball. You know, they don't score a touchdown on it. But some of these penalties are just playing. They're All just guys right, Lee, going Lee, out Go ahead. We'll give you one quick comment, and then we got to let you go. One quick point. Yeah, one quick point. My thing with the coaching, I just feel players play, but if week to week you have weaknesses that pop up and it's not even consistent weak weaknesses, one week you're scoring 28-plus against a defense like Washington on the road, and you can't stop anybody on defense against Taylor Heineken. And the next week you shut out Matt Ryan for an entire half except for the last two and a half minutes. But the offense can't score any touchdowns. I, I think that's more than players. I think something is wrong with the coaching. I don't know if it's X's and O's or motivation, but that seems 
off to me. But thanks, I, guys. You're welcome. Appreciate, appreciate the call. And by the way, in my in my opinion, I, I don't think you're totally off there. Okay, and I, I don't. I, I you can't put everything on the players. And I didn't say that this is all a player's fault. There's, it's collectively a team fault, right? I mean, there's preparation parts of it. I don't think this team does not prepare. I think just think on game day, there's there's there is some type of there's something missing there once in a while, and it's whether it's the play call or if they can't get lined up. I mean, you know, or the you know the other day the 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 microphone thing for the green dot it got you know it got turned off and there was no communication. I mean, things like that happen where you have to call a timeout, but you know there has to be. This team's got to start playing better. I'm telling you, it's just something they got to get in there and find it. Find it. You know what kills me, Jeff? You know, and I get it. You know, they gave up a touchdown drive and a field goal drive in the fourth quarter that ultimately blew a lead and lost them the game. But here's the thing, okay? During the course of the game, Logan Ryan had two shots at interceptions and dropped them both. Mm -hmm. Adoree Jackson on the tying touchdown drive, mm. has the ball come right in his hands as if he's a center fielder, an easy pop fly, and drops it. So when I hear, oh, defense can't get a stop, well, there were three opportunities there where they didn't have to do anything except close their hands around the ball. That had nothing to do with scheme. That simply had to do with hold on to the ball when it's thrown to you because it's a really easy catch. Yeah, yeah. And, and, again, I was saying this to somebody the other day about somebody asked me, and I, I'm not going to argue with you. The, 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 the thing, you're right, and they just have to make the play, darn it. I mean, just, That's just it. make the play. That's it. But here's the thing. I was telling, you know, takeaways take kind of come in bunches, right? I mean, some of these teams get them all the time, but sometimes they go a few games without them, and then all of a sudden they'll get three. And then the next game they get two. And then all of a sudden they kind of cool off a little bit. So I guess the good thing that I can say about this, and there's probably there's nothing good about 0-3. There's nothing good about dropping three passes. The fact of the matter is, is it tells me that the guys are in the right places, okay, that they're around the football. But the bottom line is you've got to make those plays to win games. Those are the big plays that we constantly talk about where big players make big plays in big games. That's you know, where you have to do you, it. You know what, though, Jeff? The big plays or the plays above the X's and the O's and some of the schematic things that mm -hmm. we're talking about, mm -hmm. guess what? If you can't make the simple, everyday, standard, routine plays, then none of that other stuff matters. Okay, well, because if you can't cook the steak properly, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much spice or steak sauce you put on top of it. If that steak is raw, well, guess what? You're getting food poisoning and it's not going to work. And back Case to closed. But Just back like a to pizza. If the crust <laughs> of the pizza isn't good, guess what? It won't hold up. Yeah. Well, I, I go back to what John just said a second ago, and he makes a good point. Is that, and I know that after watching, you know, a few practices this year, just because we're not down there, but um, I remember commenting on how the first part of practice, a good hour of it, is is built on fundamentals and techniques and all the stuff that they're doing. You know, if you're that's this is what should improve. This is why you're doing these things so that you can make those type of plays in the games. That just comes down to concentration. It's not that you're not working on it. And, and like John said, well, if you work on this all the time, shouldn't it be, you know, you shouldn't you not jump off size or, you know, catch these interceptions? That's just some focus and concentration parts of it, you know? All right, back to the calls. 201-939-4513. Oh, boy. Len is in Maryland. He's on line one. Hello, Hello Len. Len. You're on BBKL. Hey, hey guys. Hi, guys. Obviously disappointed and frustrated, but, but let me start out with something positive. Okay. We half, like that. Half time. Halftime was wonderful. 
Oh my Giants God! Are you kidding me? That was that was amazing, Len. Oh my God! Yeah, was it was. So much fun. It was. They did a great job. And Jeff, to top it off, I got a bobblehead. I went oh, in early really? enough. I went in early enough. I got a bobblehead. Wait a minute, Len! You came <laughs> to the game and didn't come to the stage to see us. Uh, we yeah, are offended. Well, we are offended. Listen, you saw the you saw the line outside, second. and I wanted a bobblehead. I wanted a bobblehead. Oh, <laughs> it was wow. great. Hey, you know, and the other the other nice thing, you know, when they did the unveiling of the uh, of his plaque in the Ring of Honor, uh, Jeff, it's it's directly across from me, in my okay. seat. I'm yeah. looking right. I'm looking directly across the field. I'm looking right at Eli's plaque. Wow, I can do that. Right I next can to do that. Yeah, right? right next yeah. to absolutely, absolutely yep. right next to Christie. But it's right. I don't have to move my head an inch to the left or an inch to the right. What was your it's favorite right part? What was your favorite part of that uh, quick, quick celebration that they had, Len? Well, listen, I, I, I like the, I just liked Eli, you know, just mm-hmm. being there. Yeah. That was just, just a wonderful thing. I want, you know, well deserved, and, um, you know, I hope we're all. I know John's listening too, so I hope the four of us are all well enough to get to Canton. Because that's coming. Yes, sir. That's coming. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Indeed. Yes, sir. Yeah. And if, and uh, if hey, the folks listen. there have any sense about themselves, not It'll only will that be a year that Tom Coughlin and Eli go in together, but the Giants oh, will have the Hall of Fame game that year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and listen, having Coughlin on the screen, that, that was nice. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I enjoyed hearing from the coach. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was, was yeah, that was that. very good. Yeah, it was a great halftime show. Um Hey, listen, listen, a couple of quick hits here from, from some things you've been, you, you've been talking about. Um, you guys know, probably, probably Jeff the best, I, I'm the original, if you can't do it in three, you can't do it, guy. <laughs> so let's go, if you can't do it in three plus one, you can't do it. Okay, we'll give the general manager the rest of the year. Um, you, you look, look what we've been talking about this morning. We talked about the owner. Talked about the general manager, not in any positive terms either. Mm-hmm. We talked about the coach. We talked about the players. It fits right into the national narrative, and the local beat writers too, and the national media, that this franchise is sideways, and there's no leadership to get us out of this. Now I don't buy into that, but that was the narrative this morning on this show. That's where all the calls you hit every level of the organization. There's nobody left. You hit it, they, the callers hit it all. And listen, I'm, uh, you know, rightly so in some cases, rightly so. But, but that's not where I am right now. One, one interesting point that came up, and Jeff, I hope you can give me a quick answer on this because I had something else also. I'll try. <clears throat> 1955 World Series. Paulie might remember this. Dodgers-Yankees, Game 7. Dodgers won the World Series that year. You know, they won Game 7. Johnny Padres, mm-hmm. you know, historic Historic win for the Dodgers. Last play of the game, Elson Howard grounds out to Pee Wee Reese, Paulie. Somebody asked Reese after the game, what were you thinking? What were you thinking when Howard was in the batting box? He said, please don't hit the ball to me. (laughs) It's true. Mm -hmm. Jeff, Mm -hmm. you know, the caller alluded to guys being tight. Mm -hmm. I I got a little bit of that feeling, too. Is that a possibility? Sure. Last two minutes of the first half, last four minutes of the ball game. Oh God, don't throw it to my side of the field. Well, I I, I know it's ugly. I know it's that it's really bad to say that, right? But listen, this is a very it's a it's this game is all about results, right? And it's pressure. 
Um, and for as long as I did it, I never, I never got used to the pressure. It's always there. On every Sunday, there was pressure, no matter what. And um, it doesn't go away, Len. And, and by the way, when, when you're 0-2 going into a game, and it's a must-win, because I don't, we don't want to call it this last week, but it was a must-win. You, you know, you're sitting here 0-3 now. But there's pressure, and there's external pressure. And, and Paul and I were talking about this before we came on the air today, about you know, how 25 years ago or 20 years ago, there wasn't any social media, there wasn't any of this stuff, so there wasn't all that much pressure on some of these guys. Now, today, everybody writes about everything. And these guys yeah. read it all too, Len. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah they sure. bring that with them on the field, and it does. Sure. It it is it is there. Sure. I think it's a great point. It, man, it's a tough place to play. It is New York. I mean, it's just I don't care what the sport is. It's a <laughs> tough place to play. Hey, last 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 um, uh, point, and if John's listening, he he probably knows best uh, of He's the three there. of you guys. He's just okay. hiding. I'm just I'm I'm starstruck. Paulie probably knows this too. I like stars. Stars win games. If we were to write down a list of the top 10 or 12 players, our 10 or 12 stars on our team, our list would be fairly close. We, we might argue about one or two guys one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on my 12, hey, here's what I think, and you've been, you guys have been alluding to this. Listen, these guys have to play better. <laughs> our 12 stars have just, and I'm putting Daniel on the list, these 12 guys, on my list, your list, Paulie's list, they have just got to play better. You win with your best players. They've got to play better. Yeah. I mean, that's the – you know, Eli, after every game, when he stood up there, God bless him, you know, I used to listen on the way home. I got the radio on. Here's Eli and the press is asking him all these questions. And, you know, the bottom line, everybody, you know, laughs about it, but Eli always used to say, we've got to play better. And I'm I'm just narrowing it down. I want my 12 guys down in New Orleans and play better than they play. Now, there's no reason we can't win that game. Everybody's got a brutal schedule. We're going, we got, these four games are going to be tough. They're only going to be tough because we're playing lousy. That is true, Len. I will grant you that. I will we're grant playing, you that. We're playing. That's the Although, only reason. That's the only know, reason they're tough. We're playing. Last Listen, time 19... I checked, Daniel Jones is incredibly athletic. For but for him to throw a ball and then run forty yards downfield to catch it, that's going to be pretty hard to do. That's going to be pretty hard to do. That's right. It's like Tom Brady's wife who said, "Well, Tom can't throw it and catch it too." <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, would, I would leave Daniel Jones off the list because I truly believe. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are probably. A handful of players, and that's not saying a lot. There okay. are probably a handful of players right now who are playing up to their expectations. Daniel oh, Jones is certainly many. one yeah. of the guys who's playing okay. up to his billing and what okay. he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, but Paula, he's got to give us more. Listen, we're giving him too much credit for a thirty-eight year, a thirty, a thirty-eight yard pass to C.J. Board in the second quarter. Give me the last four minutes, Paulie. Give me the last four minutes. Come on, drive this team into the end zone in the last four minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I want out of Daniel. I, I want Daniel to succeed. I'm not knocking the guy. I, you know, but I, I, I don't want to, two years from now, I don't want to have to say, Daniel was good enough to lose with. I don't want to say that. I want this kid to win games for us, Paulie. That's all right. Come on, you've got it. Len, it's okay to feel that way. It would, ha- it would help if his pass at midfield with about four minutes to go wasn't dropped. It would help an awful lot. But it is what it is. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I got to yeah, run, yeah. Len. We got, Len, okay, we, all right. we got hey, a couple Len, minutes. Go I, got, I, got, hey, I got two more hey, calls. Hey, let's win a game. 
Go Giants. All right. Go cool. Giants. And, Len, by the time, if you come to the stadium and don't come by the stage and say hi to us next time, we're not going to take your calls. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I have a question for you two guys. This goes back to Len's question very quickly. What do you think is the most spectacular plays? We've talked about the, the easy plays the Giants haven't made that they should make, right? But what are the plays that you've seen from the team this year that you've gone wow in reaction to? The Bradbury pick at the end of the Washington game was one yeah, for me. Sure. But other than that, what other plays stick out to you guys? You're like, wow, okay, that's I a heck the of a play. plays above the X's and the O's. How many have they made? Not many. Not happening. May, maybe no. the long Daniel Jones run? Uh, that, with, but still the, with the penalty, you know? But, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Yep, okay. Yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you two quick ones, John. Please. I, I think that the pass that Daniel Jones threw to Darius Slayton for the touchdown against Washington, to me, was a wow play. I, th- I just thought it was a great pass. It was a beautiful catch. And I think that well, was the a one really... that was dropped was a pretty wow play too. But in it the didn't other succeed though. It has point. to succeed. Okay. And the other one, I, th- I listen. I think we got to have more of these. The forty-one yard run by Saquon Barkley that was wow to me because like that just goes to show you that he's got his speed back. He's yeah. got that type of big playability defensively. I haven't seen one yet. I guess I would say collectively. No, no, Aziz, the Bradbury pick is well. That's we've one. already mentioned that. I'm saying, right. but the other ones. I, I mean, maybe the three sacks by uh, Ojolari in a row. I mean, one game after another. That's that's promising, guys. So that's it for me. I don't, right. I don't know any other ones. We go to Brian in Atlanta. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hi, Brian. Hey guys, how are you? Good. Hey. So, uh, Paul, you want to talk about steak and pizza? So, <laughs> yes, so it is lunchtime, you know. Yeah, let, let me let me give you my perspective on steak and pizza. So, if I own a restaurant and my customers get sick, you know, I'm going to change the chef. Um, if they get sick again, I'll probably change distributors. Uh, if they get sick again, you know, I'm going to be giving them their money back. And ultimately, right, as the owner of the restaurant, it's my responsibility, right? So, but but I'm the fool. I am the fool. I admit this. And so are 70,000 other people. And so are my kids. And so is everyone who gives up three-plus hours of every Sunday or Monday or Thursday to watch a team who we love that's given us no reason to believe that anything's going to change. But I'm, but I'm a fool, and I'm going to do it again on Sunday. So let's talk about play calling and Jason Garrett, right? So does Joe Judge's headset work? Sure. Right, like he wears a headset. Yeah, he wears a headset, right? Correct. So if if a call comes in that he doesn't like, right, he he has – I mean, I know he's got a play clock and everything, but he can stop the call. He can change the well, call. That, you know, that's so that, the way it was with Tom Coughlin. McAdoo called his own plays. Shermer called his own plays. And to be quite frank with you, I've never actually had a one-on-one conversation with Coach Judge – where I could say to him, exactly what is your procedure? And do you do you execute veto power over a play? Or do you have, you know, do you are you apt to override a play? I, I I'll be honest with you. I would love to have that yeah. conversation with him, but the yeah, protocols but he, but don't give me one on one time not, with the head coach. I wish they did, but they don't. He's not, he's not listening to Buck and Aikman in the headset. All right, so let's make No, that no, I'm I'm sure he's not. Okay. Okay. In fact, so, he better not Phil be Sims. because that would not be a good idea. Phil Sims, right? Love Phil Sims, great guy, all that. I, I don't have word for word in front of me what he said, but but let's not defend Mara because he cares, right? You don't get to this level as a player, as a coach, even as a fan, if you don't care. That's not an excuse. 
We all care. So don't, you know, Phil, don't, don't, don't tell me that we, we should not criticize the owner who, whose restaurant I get sick in every Sunday because he cares. All right? Let's talk now about the familiarity of the people blocking up front. Okay? There's, there's a thing called a playbook. A playbook. Saquon, as a rookie, he didn't have a ton of familiarity behind the guys, right? He didn't have a ton of familiarity. One rookie of the year. These guys have played 12 quarters now, guys. Enough with the excuse that there was no preseason. Please. Now, when I played peewee and I played Little League, my coach always told me physical errors I can accept, mental errors inexcusable. Holding penalties, illegal man downfield, offsides. We could talk about missed opportunities on the field that are physical errors all the time, and I agree there there are a litany that we can point to. Far too many. But and to be frank with you, if those plays are made, then a lot of this other stuff that people want to talk about would go away. So let's but let's look at it inversely. Paul, <laughs> it's one and the same. Lance made the point yesterday. You you, you make mental errors. And it short circuits any physical opportunity that you have. So, so I could give you a, a tit for tat on that one, right? Well, you know, you know, it goes back to the old mantra that you're never as bad as you look, and you're never as good as you look, mm-hmm. because the okay. quality head coaches will always tell you they win a football game and they're ticked off sometimes because they know there are a bunch of hidden pits and valleys in that tape and now they got to go in monday morning and they got to tell the team look we got a ton of corrections we didn't play nearly as good as we were supposed to but we won the game and now they got to sell to that team all the corrections and all the things they screwed up and that could be very yeah, difficult I, for a coach to do give, i want to give the giants credit for one thing though okay they they actually play every week as good as they can right you you asked before. Well, they Paul, certainly they certainly give to, out the effort. There's no doubt about that. How, that's not what I'm talking about. You asked before how are we supposed to determine week to week in the NFL what you know what we're going to see. We we can count on the Giants to find a way to lose. Okay, they are the most consistent team in the league, right? We've heard the numbers. So so let's not talk about inconsistency from team to team, and we should not. We should not. Mention the Giants in the same breath as the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Cowboys. We have as fans, again, going back to fools, which is I'm the leader of the fool club. We've, given, we've been given no reason to believe this is going to change. And we're talking about, oh, they were 500 team last year after 0-5. So, and the games count, to your point. So here it is, another season, another Thursday, another Sunday, another Monday. I am a fool. Thanks, guys. All right, good day. I wonder how many people when the Giants were 0-4 last year, Jeff, how many people actually thought they would go 6-6 six and six over the final 12 games and they would be a 500 team. At 0-4, you probably had a bunch of people who thought, oh, they'll finish with three or four wins. Well, yeah, new coaching staff didn't know much about Joe Judge and, you know, what he brought to it. Just, just, it was all just, you know, kind of uh, what you saw up to that point. And I think that, you know, the caller makes a good point, and, and there are some people that I've talked to that that have the same feelings. Like, you know, can you give me back my six hours I put in on Sunday? But you know what? That's that's part of being a fan, and, you know, and you want a better product, and you have every right to have that. Mm-hmm. You, and so it's just, you know, what we say on this show, we try the best that we can. There's a lot of things that – and by the way, 
We're not comparing. I, I never have. I don't think I've heard any of you guys ever compare the Giants to uh, in the same conversation as with the Chiefs and the other guys. I, we've no, never the, said the that. Compar- the comparison is not being made to those specific teams in terms of roster. The, com- the, the, the generic statement is that there are a lot of mediocre teams in this league that are separated by tissue paper because on a week-to-week basis, you can't tell me for sure what that team is going to do next Sunday. I mean, that's, that, that's just the nature of the beast in the league, the way the league is constructed these days. That's the way it is. And if you don't believe me, go to Vegas and ask how many people lost their shirts because they were sure that X team was going to play as well as they did the previous weekend. It yep. doesn't happen in this league anymore. Nope. All right, listen, we only have a minute to go. So, Jeff, I'm going to do this against my better judgment. I should close the show out because we're really done. But Charlie has been on hold. I'm going to be courteous and nice, and I'm going to give him one minute to air what he's got one to minute. air. Charlie, go ahead. You've got 30, 30, 30 seconds. No, I'll give you okay. a minute. you got a minute. 30, go. 30. Hey, guys. Hey, Python. Hey, Jeff, my pally. Yep. Hey, uh, <laughs> look, all I was going to say is just go back and look at Barkley's tape his rookie year. Whatever we were doing then, whatever scheme was working then, do it. Go back to the tape and see what we did to allow Barkley to do what he did. 1,300 yards. I guess he caught, I don't know how many passes he caught. Was it 90 or something? Charlie, 91. Charlie, I have to interrupt you really quickly. I did look that up. Their percentage rates of scheme running plays they're running now is almost identical to what they did in 2018. It's the same scheme. Yeah, in terms well, of percent is, inside I... zone, percent outside zone, percent gap, percent man, it's almost the exact same. Spare a few percentage well, points then, here or there. Then our offensive line is not as good as it was in 218, which is hard to believe. But we did have a different quarterback, so that might have counted for something. But the other thing I just wanted to say is that, look, we played two bad teams and one, say, good team. A not great team. Denver is not a great team. They're a good team. And the two bad teams, we still lost, but it was close. The games that we got coming up, and they're not going to be close. We're going to get blown out. And if you think fans are upset now, when we play New Orleans, when we play the Rams, when we play Kansas City, when we play Tampa Bay, and we get blown out by 20 points or more, my God, it's, it's, it's going to implode. The whole place is going to implode. So they got to really get it together, and they got to get to get it together really quick because we're going into New Orleans, and if that game isn't thirty-five to thirteen, I would I'll be totally surprised. That's all I got, guys. That's Thanks, Charlie. Nice. Thirty seconds. Okay, guys, take care. Thank all you. right, Charlie, be well. He uh, he was on point. Uh, he got out quickly, and I'm going to tell Lance about this because uh, it may bring a smile to his face. Charlie actually listened for a change. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Jeff. That'll Thank do you, it Paul. for today. Thank Appreciate you, John. It, folks. Thank you, everybody. Uh, once again, Big Blue Kickoff Live is available uh, through the Giants podcast archive, through Giants.com, uh, the Giants mobile app, and all your favorite podcast platforms. You could always catch the show at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time for one hour every weekday as we are here at 201-939-4513 or hashtag Giants Chat. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll catch you next time.